0: This is Jeff Coper and we welcome you to Disney Insights. In an unexpected last-minute turn of events, I ended up having the opportunity to visit the Disneyland Resort last week. My focus was on Disneyland Park as well as the Downtown Disney Hotel District area. We'll visit these locations to see what's new and what's happening here at the happiest place on Earth. We'll look at new offerings such as Adventureland Treehouse, Pixar Place, and Tiana's Palace. Speaking of Tiana, we look at its impact on the park as well as recent announcements of when Tiana's Bayou Adventure will arrive. We'll then look at entertainment happenings to include Mickey's Mix Magic and the incomparable magic happens. We'll also look at where Disneyland is in terms of receiving the permissions and authority to direct its own zoning in moving forward. Could Disneyland have a third theme park? Well we'll again explore that and we'll finish up on some tips for how to make your next Disneyland visit or maybe your first Disneyland visit the best possible. Make sure that you uh, subscribe and visit DisneyInsights.com, where we have so many photos and videos that support all the things that we're going to be talking about in this podcast today. So check that out. When you subscribe to Disney Insights, well, it allows you to be notified of upcoming podcasts when they occur. By the way, make sure that you're also subscribed to iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Listen Notes, whatever you are listening, however you're listening to this podcast, make sure you subscribe there as well so you're notified that they come up and if you have a chance, go visit those places and if you could, perhaps give a positive rating or review, that really helps the happiest, well, the the, the littlest podcast that ever could. Um, well, beyond that, let's start uh, going into my experience. I, uh, I had my, um, I grew up early on in my childhood visiting, living in Phoenix, and visiting the Disney theme parks as we went on vacation to Newport Beach uh, every summer. And the f- folks we did that with were my parents' best friends and their family. My father passed away, well, over 40 years ago, but his best friend and the person who I was named after, um, well, he passed away last, a few weeks ago at the age of 98. Um, And so I felt very strongly in my heart that I wanted to support uh, being there for that uh, life celebration. So I chose to head to Phoenix, but the problem was as airfares were so expensive, last minute of course, to Phoenix, that the only thing affordable was a direct flight out to Los Angeles and then a drive to Phoenix and back again. That sounds really crazy and long to do, and believe me, on the way to Phoenix, it was long to do because, well, it took well over seven hours of driving as I did that. On the way back, I came very early in the morning and actually did it in about five and a half hours stayed at stayed a night at the Marriott Hotel next to the Expo Center and um, was treated to a, a room and an upgrade uh, when I arrived there early that morning I was really appreciative of Marriott and I gotta tell you that's just one of my favorite hotels to stay at when I'm in the Anaheim area um On my way out, I had an opportunity to just grab some lunch over at Downtown Disney, so I decided to head on over um, and check out a few things, beginning with the Pixar Place Hotel. Now, I stayed there back when it was the Paradise Pier Hotel. It actually has a history that goes way, way back. The Emerald Hotel, it was built uh, during the 19, well, in preparation for the 1984 uh, Summer Olympics in Los Angeles, it was built by another uh, Hotel your organization in fact, I think it was a Japanese firm. And over time it was sold eventually landing in the hands of the Walt Disney Company. You've probably seen the hotel because when you are at Disney California Adventure in the uh, Pixar Pier area, you can see the hotel in the horizon. It uh, always had sort of a surfside uh, crown to it that kind of kind of suggested waves. Um, that has been removed and the hotel has been painted. It now has, in my view, a very Partridge family mid-century look, especially when you arrive at the doors to this uh, beautiful hotel. It's been done. I stayed there. In fact, uh, my stay there was when Star Wars Galaxy's Edge first opened at Disneyland. I stayed there during that opening and I really like the hotel uh, the position isn't quite as close as the disneyland hotel or the disney california um well or the grant disney grand californian but it's not a far walk and now they have renewed or gone back to providing a backdoor entrance into um the uh, um the disney california adventure park in and around uh the uh, paradise park uh Um, Pixar Pier area. So it's really accommodating in that regard. But uh, I decided to take a look and and check out uh, the revision of it again. If you're familiar with the concepts of the Partridge family with its individual multicolor uh, squares and basic red, yellows, and blues, that's kind of what you get when you arrive at Pixar Pier. A lot of whites it's uh, in the center is uh, a beautiful, uh, well, the traditional uh, Pixar lamp uh, with uh, sitting on top of the uh, rubber ball, the star ball. Um, and everything in the uh, resort, by the way, the rooms are a great size. I, that's one of the things I love about it, even before it was remodeled, is that the rooms were a really good, decent size and now they've been, all of it's been remodeled, there is very much a sense of mid-century look to it. You see these sketches of Pixar characters, but there are these doodles that kind of connect those pictures. And again, it's a very kind of Google, or Google, sorry, Googie style um, kind of look and feel. And in fact, in the uh, the uh, modern uh, Anaheim or Modern American Eatery, their little restaurant there, they, uh, they have uh, um, chandeliers that kind of remind me of the early Tomorrowland Stovall style motels that were up along Catella and Harbor. It had that kind of look to it. it. Again, I have to keep coming back to this mid-century look. I think that's important to it. And, and that same theme continues to occur when you get to the Disneyland Hotel because they've added the new villas, uh, part of the DVC experience, and the whole look and feel is colorful and yet very much in keeping with the other towers. And the whole of it is just, it's really lovely. A big, beautiful mural inside uh, the lobby of the hotel. It's uh, got great landscaping, in fact, in front of the frontier towers there's a kind of a remnant used to be back in the 70s at least in the 80s there used to be a whole series of waterfalls it was fantastic and you could walk among these tremendous waterfalls made a huge noise and they kind of curved through a very small remnant of that is left i suppose mold or people slipping on the on the wet sidewalks is what ultimately gave way um but there's just a really lovely landscaping that just speaks to the whole Disneyland Hotel. And again, in its own way, different than than um, the Pixar Place Hotel, it has its own mid-century kind of look. And I think that's important because, of course, Disneyland Hotel was built in the 1950s and it kind of added on the 60s and 70s and 80s, but, but it has sort of this American mid-century look and feel to it. And I think that's important because then when you arrive at Downtown Disney, well, at that point you see more of that mid-century look. Now, um, Downtown Disney has a couple of different motifs going for it. When you're on the Disneyland side near the entrance or the entrance off to the side of Downtown Disney to Disney's Grand California, you get a sort of contemporary craftsman style look and feel. And it's a great look that really aligns in a smart, um, playful retail look to Disney's Grand California Resort. But then there were, there were a couple of places, um, eateries and so forth, they kind of had their own look and feel. One of them was Jazz Kitchen, which in its inception had a very uh, New Orleans, French Quarter style look. When you saw the Jazz Kitchen, it looked like it belonged in New Orleans Square and was kind of plucked out of there and then kind of put there. It was, It was kind of an interesting look. And then the Rainforest Cafe has this kind of Mayan look. That Rainforest Cafe is gone. Instead, it currently serves as kind of a Star Wars, trading traders post kind of thing. And that kind of works really well for uh, the look and feel uh, for for the time being. But Jazz Kitchen was completely remodeled. And in that remodel, it has also taken on this mid-century kind of look and feel. And that's what you get from about the Jazz Kitchen all the way out to... Um, well, there's kind of a, a little bit of a deco feeling in between it and the and the craftsman style, but you eventually get to a very full mid-century look. And the new hotels, the little park that's being put there, and the little bandstand, all has a very mid-century look to it. And I think that that ties about as well as anything could tie to both the Disneyland Hotel and to um, Paradise or I'm sorry, Pixar Place Hotel. Now, the thing that seems confusing when you're at it is some of these uh, new buildings, these new restaurants and so forth, you kind of wonder how it's going to tie into the supposed expansion that is occurring. So let's, let's kind of toggle over to that. And there's, of course, a graphic on Disney Insights that has been uh, used for an artist conceptual rendering for illustrative purposes only that's been put out there by Disney for some time. And in it you see highlighted a very long rectangle, which includes the Pixar Place Hotel, includes the Disneyland Hotel, but then includes the idea of a whole set of of, um, theme park, style experiences that take up all of this. Um, Largely the, takes up the, especially three spaces, the parking space that has been Downtown Disney, but is largely the Disneyland hotel right now. The parking space, which is now the new um, Downtown Disney parking space, which is actually behind uh, the Pixar Place Hotel. That has changed, It, it was previous to COVID, next to the Disneyland Hotel in the, when it was closed or during somewhere in that time period, it moved over to what was known as the Simba parking lot. Simba parking lot had been kind of an overflow when things got really crazy, but they had built the new Pixar style uh, themed uh, parking lot structure that went with Mickey and Friends parking lot structure. And so it, is not needed as an overflow to theme parks it has been made into the downtown disney not exactly um the easiest walk if you're going to downtown disney and by the way you're going to pay you're going to pay ten dollars for the first hour and then you get a reduced amount or you get a, some complementary aspect of the parking if you are purchasing retail or dining while you are at downtown disney any rate this this Disneyland expansion drawing suggests that could Disney California Adventure and Disneyland both have bridges that go over Disney way, the street that kind of runs in front of and um, underneath the bridge of downtown Disney. Could, could there be extensions to those theme parks which then bleed over into those areas? Could that occur? Could it occur? Um, Or could it maybe even possibly be its own theme park? Possibly. Any rate, Uh, And then there's another um, drawing. There's another parking lot. If you're not familiar with Disneyland Resort, there's another one parking lot called the Toy Story Hotel. And and it's way off property, not way off property, but it is almost um, kitty corner to the corner of Disney California Adventure. Um, Although there are some hotels in front of it, but you essentially have to, take shuttle buses that run back and forth from the Toy Story Hotel, and they have projected the idea, could there be a um, a mixed uh, hotel, DVC, retail dining space that could go into the Toy Story lot? Anyway, these illustrations, and I've talked about them before in other podcasts, these illustrations serve to suggest, hey, there's so much more we could do at, um, at Disneyland, and in fact, just recently, Josh DiMarro had said um, that in addition to spending potentially 60 billion over the next decade, um, that there was plenty of space to play with in Anaheim. Um, in fact, he said, Disneyland, for example, Walt's original theme park, we still have enough room to build another Disneyland there if we choose to do that. Then he goes on to say, um, we've come a long way in the last few years, but we're excited, incredibly excited about the future and talks about Disneyland as being a key priority in all of this. And so they've put out these drawings and they've put out uh, a document that basically says in a lot of words, there are so many things we could do and it could include transportation systems that connect the parks and the parking lot structures. There's all sorts of things we could do here, but we need to have more permission to decide the zoning of these things. And what is meant by this? In, a, in in DisneyInsights.com, I've done a Google map, put in a Google map of the entire Disneyland Resort area. And why this is important is because if you look at these hotel spaces, that um where the Disneyland hotel is and the Pixar Place hotel is and the parking lots areas are you look behind these and you see that there are a lot of residential areas the same thing occurs when you get over to the Toy Story parking lot there is the French Quarter apartments and the Sunrise Palms and the Pacific Palms apartment homes and and uh, other single dwelling homes and they all surround the Toy Story parking lot. Well, and and by the way, there's another chart, I didn't include it, but there's another chart that has shown how how much noise occurs in different parts of their resort. And one of the heaviest areas is like around the Autopia um, area. In, in essence, when you look at that chart, you see, oh, it doesn't look like it's that noisy at Disneyland. And in truth, there are a lot of park areas that are not that noisy unless people are screaming off of a, a bobsled or, or a, in Credit Coast or something of that nature. And, but the long and short of all of this is Disneyland, the Disneyland Resort would like to have the ability to determine how all of this is going to look and feel. And they put out these ideas of what it may be. But in my view... And, and not to say that there isn't space around the Disneyland Hotel and the Pixar Place Hotel that you couldn't string together some kind of theme park or that you couldn't connect those areas to the Disneyland Park itself and the Disney California Adventure Park with bridges going over there. Although that would be a weird kind of, I mean, it would throw traffic um in one direction and take off the balance of that traffic. I don't think it's a great flow if you are making them appendages to the parks. I do see that if you're going to do something, I would be, I would be putting something in that Toy Story lot because there is enough space in that area for a theme park and some backstage area and so forth that you could have, and maybe even, maybe even a resort hotel that connected to all of that. It is essentially the same space and size as Disney California Adventure. You could be running a Skyliner between it and over to either the parking lot structure that they wanna build on the other side of the Anaheim Garden Walk, or you could be running motor coaches or there's a lot of, maybe a people mover, but I doubt that's going to occur. There are lots of things you could do here, but Disneyland is trying to uh, get uh, permission to do its own thing without saying what that thing is before they get the permission. In another diagram, they've said, look, we see 1.9 billion minimum investment in attractions, entertainment, lodging, retail within... 10 years of approval, 1.9 billion is something. It's not a lot of something, but it is something. 90 million in Disney payments uh, to buy city streets. That's an interesting notion. We want to buy a city street, improve streets near theme parks. Could that improvement allow them to have more pedestrian traffic? Disney wanted to build a pedestrian crossing over Harbor Boulevard and hotels and restaurants like the IHOP and the Cold Stone Eatery right across from Disneyland put in a big rejection notice to that. Well, these are the kinds of things Disneyland would like to have permission in. Uh, $8 million in Disney funding of park improvements across Anaheim in the first year. Uh, parking bridges, parking, comma, bridges, Disney building of east side structures, foot bridges, again... Um, east side means across Harbor Boulevard. Um, and then, um, 30 million for Disney funding of affordable housing, uh, and annual Disney funding of worker education, development, and recruiting programs. In fact, they show a picture of a building called Chrysalis, which is a nonprofit that's kind of dedicated to helping, uh, workers become, um, better at, uh, to get on their feet and to move away from a poverty level. You've probably heard stories of cast members who live in their cars and so forth. This nonprofit really works for that. So lots of possibilities for Disneyland, but um, but like um, while they're building other things across uh, internationally, Disney's waiting for those approvals, which may still take another year or plus to get. And that's assuming that they get that. And until they get that, they're not going to suggest new parks or entire new areas of development. They're going to continue talking about improving existing facilities, and that's okay because there are some things that could be worked on. Well, they have talked about the Pandora world of Avatar and they've specifically said that's coming to Disney's California Adventure. They haven't put a time frame on, they haven't really put on a location and nobody's figured out, well, what does that look like in terms of thematic tie-in to the theme of Disney, or to the theme of California? So that's a little bit of a riddle in there much better. And this ought to be a big announcement at the next D23. Tomorrowland, you know, I didn't even go through Tomorrowland when I was there. I was I was thinking about getting a particular dessert item and then I realized they were out of it. So I didn't even bother to, to go over to Tomorrowland, which you know, kind of looks okay at night. But honestly, their old carousel of progress building, which has become an interventions building, which has become a Star Wars kind of Um, launch bay type thing. It just sits. um, The people mover has sits empty, empty tracks with no people mover because they had changed the ride to a more thrill ride, uh, somewhat akin to a kind of a three wheel test track kind of thing. It just, it, it looks burdensome. And Bob Iger has promised some time ago that Tomorrowland would be improved upon. And this is interesting because Tokyo Disney, which actually took its cues when they built Tokyo Disneyland, it took more of its cues from the Tomorrowland at uh, Walt Disney World than it took from Disneyland itself. But it's been making improvements along the way while still continuing a very mid-century look but now they said, we're gonna remove the current Space Mountain and put in a whole new Space Mountain that looks really impressive. And when you see these kinds of changes and then Disney's talking about tweaking and adding a gift shop to the Hunted Mansion, it kind of loses something. You, really, if there's something that should be worked on in the immediacy, it is Tomorrowland. Why build more stuff when you haven't fixed Tomorrowland? And then, of course, there's Tiana's Bayou Adventure. They just made a recent announcement that it would come to Walt Disney World this summer and in late 2024 at Disneyland. When you walk by it at Disneyland, it looks um, way behind the eight ball compared to the progress which has been made out at Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World. What they have shown... Also, our is the animatronic or one of the animatronics that's going to be used for um, Tiana in the attraction. It looks lovely. It, it's a quality uh, type animatronic. They promise dozens of animatronics. Dozens says to me at least twenty-five. You got to get past twenty-four. So hopefully, dozens it means at least twenty-five animatronics um, coming to that attraction, and I think it's. Um, I'm, i it's, it's very interesting to see this play out, especially because at Disneyland, there are more ties into the whole Princess and the Frogger Tiana than there is out at Magic Kingdom, at least currently. For example, one of the new additions that I had visited while I was there last week was Tiana's Palace. Tiana's Palace is a redo of what was called, um, the french market and it was disneyland has always had um, a series of kind of buffeteria style restaurants you pick up your tray and you kind of move along and you grab things or you ask for things to be given to you as you kind of go proceed through the line french market was that for since its inception other there's a couple other places where that shows up still at Disneyland. Doesn't show up at Walt Disney World really anymore, um, but it does show up here and it still shows up in Tiana's Palace. The interior of French Market was beautiful and the interior of Tiana's Palace is, well, it's also beautiful and it has a lot of touches. Uh, lamps that have kind of like lilies um, that would be tied to the swamp, a little um, books and and framed references that tie into Tiana, recipes on the wall and type thing. It's a very lovely restaurant. Mind you, the French market was also a very lovely restaurant. If there's anything that seems really just a little out of place, it's that the exterior, and then even with all the lights on the interior, a lot of the ping pong lights along the... And I love that It you and I all... We all love it right on Main Street USA it seems a little it seems a little much in New Orleans uh and it makes it kind of stand out from the rest of the French Quarter which makes the rest of the French Quarter look kind of darker um again it is beautiful but it is kind of setting itself different in a way that I'm not sure is all that good the decor again inside and out highly aligned to Princess and the Frog to Tiana to Jazz and all those kinds of themes. I grabbed lunch while I was there, and I have to say, the food was fresh. It was a great quality. The service line, only one line was open at the time, and frankly, when I came by in the evening, only one line was available then either. Of course, you can do, um, I believe you can do um, uh, mobile order. But um, it looked kind of empty. And I was really kind of surprised because none of the food items were labeled. There was a menu on the outside, a menu as you kind of entered the line. But you kind of looked at these food trays or through the buffeteria and you're kind of, okay, what is that now? And what kind of sandwich is that? And so forth. French Quarter um, always had its own kinds of desserts. You couldn't get beignets there, but you could get a mint julep which by the way, there is a mint julep bar that is adjacent that was kind of added to um, the French market because the, well, the mint juleps and the beignets that are served there are so very popular. Um, Here, they had the beignets for dessert, no other desserts, but they didn't have the mint juleps. And that was a disappointment for me. Tiana was out around uh, greeting guests It was a little uncomfortable at first because she was standing in a place, by the way, um, the area between uh, the Tiana's Palace and the Haunted Mansion is a little plaza area that leads up to the Disneyland Railroad Station in Frontierland or New Orleans Square. And um, it's closed right now, all that's sectioned off. The only thing you can do is exit the train there and the exit kind of leads you through that eatery area, the outside dining area for Tiana's Palace. She was standing right there and all these guests were filing right by her. She's in her newer, well, one of her newer outfits, not the same outfit as the pantsuit outfit she has in the new attraction. It is more of a dress but it isn't the whole full ball gown kind of dress that you're probably familiar with when you've seen her in the parks. Um, it's a lovely dress, but a lot of guests just walked by her, didn't even realize. Uh, in fact, it was really funny. I, I, I again, she went by, there must've been 30 people. She was nearby that were sitting nearby her, walked by her. Finally, she kind of came toward me. And I said, hey, can we get a selfie? I have a picture of that on Disney Insights. I've got a great selfie. All of a sudden everybody, oh, Oh look, there's a character. We should get a picture. Now there's a line next to my table of people wanting to get a picture of Tiana. But people didn't recognize her at first. I don't think it really kind of worked. And moreover, the restaurant, I'm not sure is working. Is it is it the food it, it seems tasty, but it's a different um it's it's a different menu um for many years you could get the clam chowder in a or corn chowder in the bowl, sometimes the clam chowder in the bowl in the bread bowl. That's always been popular. That's now been moved to two other um, eateries and uh, you can't get it there. I'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, There just wasn't really ever a line formed up to getting food. And honestly, there was a bigger line over at the mint julep bar of people waiting and that too had mobile orders. So I was a little confused as to why the restaurant did not appear to be reaching capacity. Again, Beautifully done, nicely rendered. The exterior has that kind of showboat look, which is very cool, kind of similar to the film. But it's not a it's not a formal dining restaurant like in the film. In the film, it looks like a big uh, table service restaurant. That's not what you have here. You have a buffeteria with outdoor seating and a jazz band that plays. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, one of the things that also was recently added was Eudora's Cheek Boutique featuring Tiana's Gourmet Secrets. That is a new little uh, retail space that is way tucked away in the back of the French Quarter, which is really one of the things that you have to love about New Orleans Square is that there's this, this world to discover as you kind of meander through the streets of New Orleans. It really is a very cool thing. And I love the theming here in this little tiny shop boutique. Moreover, I thought what was really interesting is that it appeared to me, it appeared to me that nearly, I would say, 70%, maybe more, of the retail product line had nothing to do with Disney. They were t shirts about beignets. There was, there was, uh, Café du Monde's beignet mix that you could buy to take home with you. There was different kinds of Tabasco sauce, uh, different t-shirts about the French Quarter, but but really very little, some, some ears. I show a picture of some of the retail. There's some Mickey ears that are tied, but really an interesting selection of merchandise. And I do love the variety of merchandise. Disneyland does a better job of that than Walt Disney World. And yet at the same time, it was interesting that most of that retail was outsourced and so beignet focused. Um, there's a, a th- I would assume uh, there's a third Tiana offering coming to Disneyland. Not a Frozen style makeover, but you've got all of Critter Country, which is, attaches itself and has always been a part of Splash Mountain. So what becomes of this area once it now becomes Tiana's Bayou Adventure? What happens to the other area? For instance, there's a retail space that uh, they've kind of removed references, most of the references, to Br'er Bear, Br'er Bear Rabbit, Br'er Fox. They put in other images. You still see carrots kind of growing through the roof and so forth. But, um, and there's Winnie the Pooh in this area, which is totally off of what it should have been when it was Critter Country. But what will this area look like? There hasn't been really a lot of talk. Maybe they're doing nothing to it. But you would think there'd be something coming and that there'd be more uh, that would be a part of this before before we're done here. Another thing that's kind of out there that's kind of,, well, it's, it's certainly New Orleans related because it's called the Heartbeat of New Orleans, um, a, um, a living mural. It actually is, because Phantasmic's dragon yeah, melted did a meltdown, Fantasmic isn't reopening until I believe sometime in the summer, and so they've taken the area around uh, Rivers of America and they projected kind of a bayou feeling, bayou feeling toward toward the uh, Lafitte's Landing, which is on Tom Sawyer's Island, that whole staging area, and then at I think it was uh, seven fifty-five, eight fifty-five, and nine fifty-five at night. The sprays from Phantasmic come along and there is this whole projection show. It's a whimsical tale of a mischievous little frog, not the ones that from, I don't know why it's not one of the frogs from Princess and the Frog. It's just a mischievous little frog from the bayou that leaps into the lively city of New Orleans and he's lured by the jazzy sounds he hears in the distance. And um, I'll put a video of it up on DisneyInsights.com. You see, it's a very short one. They also have a river barge, supposedly, of a, it's called, uh, let me just read it. It's Queenie and the Jambalaya Jazz Band. And they do three sets a night. I suppose in replacement of the heartbeat of New Orleans or the heartbeat of New Orleans, a living mural is the replacement when delighting the sounds of New Orleans when Queenie and the Jambalaya Jazz Band isn't playing, but this is all confusing because the night I saw this projection show, The Heartbeat of New Orleans, I had just come from over again, Tiana's uh, place, palace, where lo and behold, the Jambalaya Jazz Band is playing with Queenie. In fact, Queenie has a different kind of costume, but you're kind of looking at her and going, hey, this isn't Tiana, right? This is somebody else singing, it's just not Tiana in a different color outfit. It makes sense now that I studied it further, but it didn't necessarily, you just really weren't sure what was going on there. And so anyway, these things are happening. It is part of, of the entertainment offering at Disneyland. Another entertainment offering, um, and it's a little bit of a riddle, but it's called Mickey's Mix Magic. And basically, DJ Mickey virtually spins a playlist of remixed Disney tunes, which includes um, a song written for it called It's a Good Time. And then you hear songs like I Wanna Be Like You from Jungle Book, Everybody Wants to Be a Cat from Aristocats, Friend Like Me from Aladdin, Grim and Ghost from Haunted Mansion, and Poco Loco from Coco, and Let It Go from Frozen. Um, I watched it. The when I was there Saturday night in front of It's a Small World, and I have a video of that as well. And it's a really lovely place to watch the fireworks. Um, Mickey's Mickey's Magic actually has been there since before COVID, I want to say, but, uh, maybe not before COVID, but has I've seen it before because during the week, uh, it will play on Main Street, but it will not have pre- uh, Pyro to go with it. On Friday nights, uh, or Saturday night, weekend nights, they do the fireworks with Mickey's Mix Magic. And by the way, it's all projected on Main Street as well and on castle. But I watched it from It's a Small World, and it's and it's fun. It's a fun thing to watch. Uh would I go back and see it again? No. Would I go back and see Wondrous Journeys, which I saw last summer? Absolutely. There, this was a hundredth anniversary show that is. Just fantastic, and frankly, I miss the gravitas of that show, um, which was profound and lovely and emotional. And I and it was playing, I think, a couple of weeks ago when my friend David Zinola was out there. But then it had changed, and now we're doing mix. It's all very confusing to me. But entertainment there is out there, and by the way, all the more confusing because if they're doing fireworks on the weekend night, well, why aren't they doing? Jambalaya and Queenie on the weekend as well, because this is your big weekend. Not to say that I thought the attendance was overwhelming in the parks. Uh, I didn't think so at all Um, for a Saturday night. Mind you, Disneyland had gone through several weeks of huge rain. In fact, the mountains outside of Los Angeles looked like the mountains out of Salt Lake City. They were filled with snow. Um, they had, and everything was green. It was not the drought that I've seen so long in Los Angeles. Um, and, uh, and so this was one of the first best nights, still a little cold that, that day and evening especially, but, um, but it was beautiful, clear weather that day and that made it all the, all the better. One other really great, uh, attractions that I, is just part of my heart has always been Swiss Family Treehouse, which at Disneyland looked to be torn down at one point, but Tony Baxter came up with the idea of retheming it to Tarzan. And assuming that he could meet time and budget, it got approval and it was built. And it too was very nice. Not Swiss Family Treehouse, but it was still very nice what they did, especially for the time and budget they had to do it. Well, they've redone it, into Adventureland Treehouse, inspired by Walt Disney's Swiss Family Robinson. So what does that mean? Well, there's a family that lives in this treehouse and they've made the best of things and it's very creative, uh, what they've done to the place, so to speak. And you can walk up in it and tour it and see the whole thing. And oh boy, you have some great views from inside. There's a big water wheel. And in fact, there's kind of the, the barge or boat sticking out, similar to the old Tarzan days. It's really a clever, uh, a clever attraction, but to be honest, it is its own podcast. There are so many Easter eggs that go with this thing that I am not able to cover it in the time frame that we have. So, so I'm just going to let you know that this, one of the original IP-driven attractions, in fact, outside of Fantasyland with Snow White and Mr. Toad and Alice and Peter Pan, uh, and of course, Sleeping Beauty Castle, uh, there were only two IP really driven attractions. It was Davy Crockett and the keelboats. And then there was also the Swiss Family Treehouse, which joined in 1961. Um, it's, it's There's a little bit of a riddle to it, but notwithstanding, I'm thrilled there's still a treehouse. And it does kind of ask the question, would you want to see the same thing come to Magic Kingdom? At Walt Disney World. We'll answer that in a future podcast. Let's just talk a few, for a, just a minute or two about some Disneyland tips about my experience there and things that I have done that really make the stay great. A lot of people will choose a Disney hotel, which is so proximate, the Disney Grand California Hotel, and the Pixar Place Hotel, literally, you can walk in practically, you have to go across the street, but you walk into Disney California Adventure. The Disneyland Hotel has a monorail that takes you into Tomorrowland at Disneyland. So it's really so great. Other people love to stay around Catella or especially Harbor Boulevard, where they can just walk a few feet and be into the parks. Of course, that drives up the price of um largely motel style hotels some of them are hotels but some of them are more like motels and it drives up the price of them a little bit let me just give you my sense i stayed in this case at the marriott hotel near the state um near the expo center um the anaheim um, expo center and and honestly i've walked many times back and forth from it but it is a little bit of a walk I've also stayed in other properties much further away, uh, such as the Marriott Suites, which is too far to walk. Let me tell you, and I've also, and, and uh, when was it? Uh, I think the last D23, I stayed at um, the JW Marriott, which is walkable as well. But let me tell you, dump, dump the car, dump the walking, Get a really good hotel and just take a Lyft or Uber. It takes usually no more than eight to twelve dollars per per trip, and it just and you know if if that's if you save at least fifty dollars uh, a night in a hotel, you saved by you know going there and back twice during the day if you wanted to go back to your hotel and swim or or take a nap or something. I'm telling you. Lyft and Uber is your friend when you are at the Disneyland Resort. Don't don't feel, I mean, if you can get a really great deal right by there, sure, walk it. But if you don't see a really great hotel or it doesn't meet your family's needs, I'm telling you, Lyft or Uber the thing, it makes it so much easier. And, and cars were almost always available within five to seven minutes. And uh, I got, and they drop you off right off Harbor Boulevard at the intersection and you just walk a few feet past the Toy Story buses, and you're right there at um, security and then into the promenade going to Disneyland, Disney California Adventure. such a great choice. I cannot emphasize that just because the hotel may be a little further away, and by the way, I think parking in the parking lot structure at the Disneyland Hotel, which is about $35 I think nowadays over there, do not do that because such a hassle, you cannot walk, it's a pain to walk, you can walk it, it's such a pain to walk, and the trams can be overwhelming at certain hours of the day. Just do not bother with those. Take, Find your best hotel, take a Lyft or Uber. That's my first suggestion. Second of all, hang around closed attractions. What do I mean by that? I was in Toontown, which I know I've promised for a long time I was going to do a review on Toontown because there's so many things. And I'm glad I hadn't done it yet because what happened is Mickey Minnie's Railroad was down, which is essentially the same attraction, but such an incredible um, queue worth going on the attraction. Just see the queue. And that attraction was down. I was waiting for it. I thought, I'll just hang around here in Toontown Mickey. I got a drink nearby. I kind of looked at some of the interactive uh, houses and, and, and playgrounds that there are there and just kept a little bit of an eye on that Mickey and Minnie's Railroad. And let me tell you, when it opened, I was one of the first 50, 70 people on it, which means I literally walked onto the attraction. It was perfect timing. I mentioned also this because I've heard this said before, and I certainly experienced it while I was there. In the evening, um, both Pirates of the Caribbean and Indiana Jones Adventure, big, big popular attractions, were down, which would be a problem anytime. But when you add to the fact that the Haunted Mansion is currently down for um, the better part of the year, and of course, Splash Mountain is being done as Tiana's Bayou Adventure. You got four attractions in a row, big attractions in a row that were down. That was a real miss. Um, And it didn't help that when Pirates of the Caribbean, uh they made that into a Genie Plus attraction it wasn't before. They did that while Haunted Mansion is down. That's made the attraction even slower. If those attractions are down, go do some shopping, go get. Adult Whip, go get, go check out the, uh, the 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 retail spaces around New Orleans. Hang around a little bit, get a sense of how long it's been. The longer it's been, uh, chances are it will come back up. Um, if they've got a whole team of people, if they only got a couple of people there, I might question whether they're gonna st- they're gonna reopen. But they got a whole team of five, six, seven people standing in front of that thing. That means they're planning. They're not gonna get rid of their labor. They're planning on reopening. Um, and I did just that, took in the Adventureland Treehouse at night as well as during the day, came back and, um, and eventually went on Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, uh, unfortunately, at that point, while those two attractions came back up and running, then lo and behold, Big Thunder and Rise of the Resistance went down. It was, just, it was all craziness. But hang around closed attractions, sometimes this happens and you might just be able to get in, and when it reopens, man, you're just right toward the front. I didn't feel like I didn't really go there on this trip to go on every attraction I could. I didn't even get there early, which I always refer to, especially because you want to do those dark, um, those those dark rides in Fantasyland. I didn't do any of that this time, and still, I, I got my money's worth without doing Genie Plus. The last thing I'm going to suggest to you is to combine food and beverage opportunities. Um, Disneyland has better weather, and that's good. But uh, sometimes in the winter, as it was when I was there, it can still be pretty cold, and there are only a few indoor places. So what did I do? I went and got one of those clam chowder in a bowl, bread bowl, over at Royal Street Veranda, which is attached right next to Pirates of the Caribbean. I did uh, I did a... Uh, mobile order on that. At the same time doing a mobile order on a, a root beer float over at Golden Horseshoe. Took that bread bowl right over to Golden Horseshoe, picked up my root beer float and enjoyed my dinner inside where it was warm. You could do the same thing grabbing. Some of the best burgers are really at Galactic Grill in Tomorrowland, but take it over to Alien Pizza Planet because they're indoor places and they have some great macarons. You may have to order those early in the day to get them because they are very popular, but love the macarons at Walt Disney World. David and Leah have really suggested one at Jolly Holiday Bakery that um, was cherry and marshmallow and so over the top, I I didn't have room for another macaron the rest of the day. I do this sometimes at um, at uh, Disney MGM Studio or Disney Hollywood Studios. I grab a blue milk at milk stand, and then I go to Docking Bay Seven to grab my meal, so I can enjoy that blue milk with that meal. And Hungry Bear, grab right a hamburger there. Go over to Harbor Galley. They too have soup bowls. They have sometimes specialty drinks, or maybe you um, might want the dessert, which is usually uh, funnel cake type thing over at Hungry Bear. So that's a good combination. And then my favorite of all of them is grabbing something over at Bengo Barbecue, a skewer or something, and then going to Tropical Hideaway next to the Enchanted Tiki Room where they have Dole Whip selections. And I found a new Dole Whip that I have come to fall in love with. It is a Strawberry Shortcake Dole Whip, which is Strawberry Dole Whip with... Um, short uh, cake or cake crumbs kind of uh, put in as a topping to it. And then lots of strawberry sauce and strawberries in it. Oh my goodness, it was delicious. I didn't even mind it, it was uh, out outdoors and it was kind of cold and I was there with ice cream because it was so good. I I would love for them to add that to the menu here at Magic Kingdom. The last thing I got to say is don't miss Magic Happens as long as it plays. We'll see how long it plays. I think the new... Uh, uh, at any rate, that Magic Happens parade is tremendous. When I got a picture of Merlin dancing in the Sword in the Stone float, and I got to tell you yeah, that Merlin is crazy. And when do you get to see... King Arthur pulling the sword out of the stone. This is just so cool. That is such a great parade. So every float set is just beautiful, wonderful, even better at twilight or at night. Oh my goodness, it lights up the Moana ocean scenes and the curl of the wave It is just so clever and so much fun. You know what, if you feel like your time is tight, get in line for an attraction. Such as It's a Small World, just minutes before the parade, that that standby line is right at the entrance or exit of the parade, depending on which direction it's going. Or Alice in Wonderland, that's a great place to stand while watching it, or grab a snack and just enjoy the parade. You do not want to miss that. If you're looking to go to Disneyland, go back to Disneyland, or you haven't been there for the first time, oh, please go go call my friends David and Leah Zanola with Zanola travel they are going to help you they know they were just out there a couple of weeks ago at the Disneyland Resort and done a number of things out there and uh, they know how to to plan that trip for you and so definitely uh, check them out it'll be a great part of you now I've got so much more to cover about announcements and things going on with the shareholders. I thought about doing that this week, but lo and behold, I had this Disneyland trip and I wanted to report on it. So we got a lot more to cover. And so please subscribe and stay tuned to our podcast. We have so much. Make sure you check out a century of powerful Disney Insights, my newest book, which covers the fir- first 50 years of Disney. Volume two is on its way. I promise sometime this year, I promise so many things have been interrupted. Yet. Know that this podcast has been sponsored by Performance Journeys, which goes into organizations, schools, nonprofits, entities of all kinds. We do keynotes, that take best insights from Disney in leadership and team building and employee engagement. We also offer consulting. We provide support. We are people who actually know how to take these great ideas from Disney and put it into your organization. Why? Because we've been doing it for several decades. We actually know what it's like to try to translate these ideas to an organization. So check us out. Our performance journeys and again thank you for being part of this podcast in the words a Sinbad storybook voyage always follow the compass of your heart man if that's one thing I learned from my father's best friend and who I'm named after you follow your passion follow the love of your heart that's what kept him going for so many years it can keep you going for years to come if you just followed the compass Of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.